0: The following program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace. I want to talk to you today about the kind of happiness and joy that can't be stopped by this world. The kind of happiness that that doesn't have to wait until you're cancer-free or you find Mr. Right or everything works out with your finances or everything changes directions in our country, but the kind of happiness that you could actually have tomorrow if your mind is in the right spot. You could be about 10% happier. Uh, that's what Dan Harris claims. I'm not sure if any of you recognize that name. Dan Harris was a very successful journalist who was an anchor for Nightline and for Good Morning America, and he figured out the secret way to become 10% happier. And so, in 2014, uh, Harris wrote a book by that title, 10% Happier. And it was so popular, it actually became a New York Times best-selling book. Because it turns out almost everyone in America would love to be just 10 percent happier. (laughs) So my question for you today is why didn't the apostle Peter do that? When Peter wrote this little letter that we call 1 Peter, uh, it's part of the New Testament, in your Bible, he he had a a theme and a title for that little book that seems so unbelievable that it should be reserved for like 2 a.m. infomercials for weight loss plans that work with one pill in less than two days. When he talked to people about crazy things like he called inexpressible joy. Like a happiness that wasn't l- like 10% better than the happiness you have now, a happiness so good it would like burst out of the expression on your face and make your feet move in the happiest dance you've you've danced in a while. Why would Peter do that? Christian people go through the same junk that everyone else goes through. We struggle in a thousand different ways. Can that even be true? But then you look at Jesus' words in in John chapter 17, where Jesus said this: "I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they, His followers, Christians, may have the full measure of my joy within them. The full measure." Like Peter talked about this inexpressible joy, this bursting happiness, because he heard it one night from Jesus who said it's possible if you're a Christian and you know and think and focus on the right things to have an inexpressible joy, the full measure that simply can't be contained by the average human heart. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you today about the kind of happiness and joy that can't be stopped by this world. The kind of happiness that that doesn't have to wait until you're cancer free or you find Mr. Right or everything works out with your finances. Or everything changes directions in our country but the kind of happiness that you could actually have tomorrow if your mind is in the right spot. So I want to take you back 2,000 years today to this little letter that the apostle Peter wrote that we call First Peter. Uh, we, we've been journeying through this for a couple weeks here at our church but I, I want to focus your attention mostly on this little snippet from verse 6 where the apostle Peter said, In all this, you greatly rejoice. And I love that little phrase. You know, this isn't like regular rejoicing. He says, you greatly rejoice in this. Uh, you know, Peter didn't write that verse 2,000 years ago in English. He, he spoke and wrote in Greek and, and I looked that up in a Greek dictionary. You know, what exactly did this word mean in Peter's language, greatly rejoice? And, and here's the definition that the dictionary gave me. It said, greatly rejoice. To experience a state of great joy and gladness, often involving verbal expressions, Here's my favorite part. And appropriate body movement. <laughs> Isn't that good? In other words, uh, Peter's talking about the kind of joy that I felt on June 23, 2010. Any of you remember that day? My face is about four inches from the screen on June twenty third, 2010. It's the World Cup. And my beloved men's national United States soccer team is tied with Algeria. You all remember the game? I thought some of you are Christians. You must have been watching this game, right? Real Christians love soccer and we're tied. And if you know anything about the World Cup, it only happens every four years and there's there's like two minutes left and if we end up tied, we're done and poor soccer fans like me have to wait for four more years but then (laughs) then Landon Donovan gets the ball. And and he sprints past half field and he dishes it to Josie Eltidor. Eltidor fires it in front of the net and here comes savvy Texan Clint Dempsey. He flicks it at the goal, but the Algerian keeper stops it. Until Landon comes flying in. Oh my goodness. And there's the ball and there's the net and he slams it home and we have like 12-foot ceilings in our basement and I think my head almost hit it. I jumped so high. I I didn't know how to contain myself, actually. I didn't know what to do. I ran upstairs. I ran outside and I was like a Mexican soccer commentator. I just said, Go! (laughs) And I started running laps around my house and my neighbors were probably very, very confused at this time. Like, that's happy. There was something so good that I just, ah, I didn't know what to do with my body and so I was just running, running, running around. That's what Peter's talking about. Not this, like, generic joy, you know, I rejoice always because that's what the Bible says. He says something that, that is just uncontainable. Except you know the problem, right? Like, that kind of happiness doesn't always happen. And that's kind of how life works, right? There's these moments where we're shouting and we're singing and he asks you out to the dance and the baby comes and you get the promotion and the friends are laughing but those are just some days. Those are not all the days. It's why C.S. Lewis, uh, that old Christian author, wisely said this, do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And that's what Peter is up to in these verses. Look what he says as he continues. He says uh, just before this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And Peter says in verse 6, In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Peter says if you want a kind of happiness that you can't lose, put your happiness in this. Because there are so many reasons to dance in that little paragraph. Let I me mean, just walk with me r- real fast through it. We're praising God because He is our Father. God is not like, hey, if you're out there, higher power, He is a Father who loves people like we love our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews. He's not a God who believes in karma. Peter says in his great mercy means when you mess up and when you struggle and when you sin and when you battle with temptations that he doesn't doesn't treat you like you deserve to be treated. He's given us new birth into a living hope, meaning that something really good is on the way. You have a for sure future because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Because of that, there's an inheritance. I love that. There are these riches and they can never perish, spoil, or fade. They can't be touched because they're kept in heaven and God is guarding them and Peter even says, God is guarding you by his mighty power until Jesus comes back and true salvation is revealed. And Peter would say, if you think about that, if that is your this, then in all of this, you can greatly rejoice. So here's my my question for you. what's What's your this? Now Peter says, in all this, you rejoice. So what do you really look for in your life to rejoice? Like if you, if you had to say, Pastor Mike, if blank, then I rejoice. What's in the blank? Uh, now Peter would, would pray for good health and great friends and a, a fulfilling job and a bank account that's strong but but he would also say, hey, life is life and this world is far from perfect, why don't we put something in that blank that's so much better? Why don't we put spiritual blessings, being loved and forgiven and saved, having a hope and a future and heaven and salvation? Because those are the things, if your happiness is rooted there, if they're big and beautiful to you, if you think about what's pure and good and right and praiseworthy, then you can rejoice always like Paul told us to do. Then you can have the peace that goes understanding beyond understanding like Paul encourage us to have. Then you can have a contentment that simply can't be taken away. And I don't want to say, okay, okay, Peter, that's a good point and maybe I should think about like spiritual things instead of just the stuff of this life but what about, what about the days that are really hard? What about the days of grief and of loss? What about trials and sadness and sickness And suffering? Are are you trying to tell me that I should be happy on days like that? And Peter's not naive about those kind of days. Look what he says back in verse 6. He says, In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. If you know much about the book of First Peter, it, it's actually the book that talks about pain the most per page of any part of the Bible. Now, Peter isn't talking about the happy dance because his life was easy and these people's lives were easy. Uh, the book of First Peter, in its five little chapters, is filled with 19 different words about grief, suffering, death, being mocked, abused, insulted, persecuted for your faith. This is a book where, where people are going through like deep sadness and suffering and yet in the midst of it, he talks about this inexpressible joy. And it's not the only part of the Bible. I found out that the New Testament has 18 different Greek words that express grief and sadness. The Bible's not naive or Pollyanna about life in this broken world. It's hard. There's a time to weep, the Bible says, and even Jesus himself wept when he saw the sadness and suffering of this life. And that's kind of the part that doesn't make sense to me. I remember before, Peter saying not future tense but right now you greatly rejoice and then he says in the very same verse, though now you're suffering in all these trials. Like, how can you greatly rejoice right now and go through suffering and grief and sadness right now? Don't you have to choose one or the other? How can it be both at the same time? And the answer to that really important spiritual question is in the last word of that verse where Peter says, this isn't just suffering and sadness, these are trials. Do you know what a trial is? Uh, A trial is something that proves genuineness. Uh, We simply might say uh, a trial is something bad that reveals something really good. Any two people can stand in front of their family and friends and and make up these beautiful vows, I will never leave you and forsake you in sickness and health for better or worse. Anyone can say that but you never know if love is the real deal until there's a trial, until she gets sick uh, and he's really busy and he needs to take care of her and she battles with anxiety but once they go through it, then you know that love is genuine and love is real. And, and Peter's saying, from a spiritual perspective, the beautiful thing about suffering is that it will prove if your faith is genuine. Now look what he says here in verse 7. He says, These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. <laughs> and to be honest, that's what makes me so happy today. As I think about all of you who are, who are listening to this message, who, who are here today in church, who are watching this program and you still believe in God, there, there is something that makes me so happy that you're still here. I think about those of you who battled addictions. I mean, you, you, you've been there and you've struggled with it and yet you still come here and you still sing because your faith is genuine. I think of those of you who have kids that have, have wandered far away, kids who are in jail, kids who have committed crimes, prodigal sons and daughters, you've had learning disabilities in your family, struggles that you're battling, anxiety and depression and downs and autism and yet you still, you still pray, you still say, Amen, in Jesus' name. Even though life isn't easy. You've been through tragedy, some of you have planned funerals, some of you think that, that a funeral is on the way. And yet, when people stand to sing to Jesus, you don't sit there silent. you keep singing because your faith is genuine. You've been through a divorce and, and yet you come back to church because you don't just love God because he makes life easy and, and it's a fairy tale future but because God is good and you come back. I think of the widows who come here week after week. I think of the people who have miscarried and they worship week after week. I think of those of you who say your prayers every night and you still say, praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever and your life has not always been good. And that makes me so happy to think that your faith is not fake. You're not just here because God's given you this easy life and he answers every prayer in the way you want, even when he makes you wait, even when he says no, even when life is difficult, when you come here, that's a trial and the proven danielness of your faith comes shining through. And that, that, friends, is of greater worth than gold. You know, I googled it last week, do you know how much a bar of gold is worth? $512,000. Peter said, wouldn't it be great if you had like a gold bar under your chair in church today? (laughs) Peter says, no, I got something better. I got a person who sits in the chair even though Saturday was hard. $512,000, we'd find a way to burn through it way too fast. But someone who knows that God is good, that God is worthy to be praised even when life is really, really difficult, that, that is something priceless. And so I love pastoring a church that's not perfect. I love speaking to people who, who have wept and cried and grieved because it proves that our God must be so good, our God must be so glorious that we keep coming back here because he is worthy to be praised. In fact, I love that little detail back in 1 Peter uh, verse 7. Let's let's go back here. He says, These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I got to tell you, uh, as I was studying that verse, it kind of stumped me for a long time. I stared at that last phrase because I couldn't figure out who was doing the praising and who was getting praised. You know, it's like you go through the suffering and you're still rejoicing. You, you survive the trial. Your faith is proved genuine. And the end result, when Jesus Christ comes back, is praise, glory, and honor. But, but who is praising and glorifying and honoring whom? And when Jesus comes back, will those of us who have stood the test and run the race and, and fought the good fight, will we be praising God? Like, oh my goodness, God, you were worth it. I, I knew it. I didn't let go. <laughs> I've never felt so happy. Is that what Peter's saying? Or, or when Jesus comes back and he sees us faithful people, will he say, well done? And he will honor his sons and his daughters who've been through the fire. And he will praise the kind of faith that wasn't convenient, but I truly believe that God was worth everything we had to give. And my final official pastoral answer is, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe both. Maybe when Jesus appears in the skies, all of us who have gone through the trial, we we will fall down on our knees with uncontainable joy and we will jump up because our feet just need to dance. And maybe as we do, Jesus will be so happy with us. And you know why? Because Jesus is genuine. All of this is true not because we're perfect people, not because we get it all right, but because Jesus Christ's love for you is the real deal. Do you know how I know that? Because Jesus went through the trial. I mean, if Jesus came down from heaven and he said, God loves the world, zoop, and he went right back, we would say, okay, I I hope so. But you know, that's not how the story goes. He came down from heaven, and he said, "God loves the world." And then what happened? He suffered, and he wept. And he could have escaped it, but he kept going, and, and they threatened him, and they plotted to put him on a cross, and he could have escaped it, but he kept going. And they got out the, the whip to flog him, to rip the flesh off his back. They twisted together a crown of thorns, and Jesus could have snapped his fingers and disappeared, but he didn't. He, he kept going. And then they put nails in his hands and his feet, they they spit in his face, they mocked him on the cross but he kept going, do you want to know why? So that you would know the love of God is the real deal. Can I trust God? Can I stick with God? Jesus said, if I was willing to suffer that much for you, you know my love for you is unconditional. And that simple thought that God would go through everything for me, it, it changes my heart forever. And there's a pretty uh, famous musical in musical history called Les Miserables. and if you ever seen it? Uh, it was based off a book by Victor Hugo and I love a quote from that book. Victor Hugo once said this, "...the supreme happiness of life consists in the conviction that one is loved." And he's right. To be truly loved just makes our heart leap, doesn't it? And if some human being who is here today and gone 80 years later can make us feel that good? Imagine what it's like to be genuinely loved by God himself. Have I told you guys that I've been trying to come up with an idea for a book? I have this really great idea but I found out I'm pretty terrible at marketing. Uh, here's my idea. I bet that there is a person that if they they walked into the room right now and sat next to you, you would be instantly happy. Maybe it's a celebrity, a sports star, Uh, maybe it's your husband that you buried 10 years ago, maybe it's your granddaughter coming for a surprise visit. I I bet there are certain people that if they showed up, if they were right here, you would be instantly happy but you know the problem, they're not here. Some of them are far away, some of them have died and, and they're gone. But think about this, God is here. (laughs) Do you think the presence of God is better or worse than the person you were thinking about? Supreme, inexpressible, untouchable happiness comes in having this big, beautiful view of God. He is holy and wonderful and different and God's not far away. God is right here because of what Jesus did. And so I came up with a a name for the book. I was going to call it Here and Holy. God is right here and God is holy. He's not average, he's wonderful and he is different and you know what a marketing expert told me? That's a terrible title. <laughs> like the average 25-year-old dude on the street is going to pick up the book and say, here and ho- I don't even know what that means and no thank you, there's a billion other books to read. So maybe I need a new title and I don't know, maybe I was thinking this, a thousand percent happy. I know people would believe it. (laughs) Maybe it would seem too good to be true. Maybe people would think it's it's Pollyanna and you're Pollyanna for believing it. But maybe we should consider that a compliment. Brothers and sisters, if you want the supreme happiness that can't be touched or taken away, remember that God is so good and because of Jesus, God is right here. Let's pray. God, I think about all the things that I've done in my life and I have no clue why you're here. I have no clue why you didn't take off already, turn your back, cross your arms. The fact that if I could see your face right now, if we could see your face, you'd not be scowling, you would be, you'd be grinning, you'd be dancing because you love us like your own kids. That's, that is so crazy and we love it so much. Thank you, God, for not being reasonable. Like, karma seems reasonable to me that you would give people what they deserve but you, you don't. You believe in the cross and in compassion and in mercy and in grace and it's why we adore and worship you. And so I have one, one simple prayer, God, that you would help us rejoice in the right things. That you would help our minds to think not of these earthly things that can be taken away but in the eternal things that can't be touched because of what Jesus did for us. God, would you please send your Holy Spirit to help us remember the things we so quickly forget? to help us to see the things that we can only see with the eyes of faith. I can only imagine if everyone who's hearing this prayer would walk out the door bursting with happiness, dancing and the world would wonder, what in the world makes you so happy? And we could tell them about you, how good you are and how long eternity will be with you. God, by ourselves, we we can't make any of this happen but with you, we can be way more than 10% happier. Let it be done for your glory and for our good. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. When we started, we were just a tiny, tiny little organization. In fact, organization is a compliment to our little ragtag group. I will never stop being grateful to this army of people who believed enough in the power of the messages of Time of Grace to continue with their sacrificial gifts.
1: As Pastor Jesky prepares for the next chapter of his life beyond time of grace, he reflects on the humble beginnings of the ministry in his new book, When Grace Got Personal, where he remembers how God worked through individuals to share the timeless truths of Jesus through time of grace. When you give today, we'll send you this book along with Pastor Mike Novotny's book, The Neglected Spirit, which is about tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you give $50 or more, we'll say thanks with both of these books, plus Pastor Jesky's books, Straight Talk and More Straight Talk. All four of these books show how God transforms us and then allows his loving grace to flow through us to others. So call now to give and request your special resources. Call 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or text TIME to 313131.
0: As we transition to this new stage of Time of Grace's history, we hope that God continues to to bless the message that we share and this transition that we've been through. And that's why today I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. The things I'm passionate about and the principles that really drive my preaching, my teaching, and my ministry. In my mind, life is way too short to fake it. (laughs) Like if God has brought us together as brothers and sisters in Christ, if encouragement and prayer and forgiveness really works then i would rather pray for the real you and encourage the real you and forgive the actual you <laughs> i love how the bible says it uh, it says confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed so i hope you find that in my teaching that i'm going to be real and talk about the real stuff of real life and at times it might feel vulnerable or a little bit uncomfortable but it's what god's people are going through and i Rather, apply real grace to real stories. And so don't be shocked when we talk about marriage and divorce. When we discuss anxiety and depression. When we deal with sexuality and gender. When we talk about pornography and drug addiction. Uh, self-righteousness, pride, worry and fear. We're going to talk about all of it so that we can open God's word and find a real hope. That's what happens when we're transparent. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the incredible impact that earthly things, like money, can make. Now, no one can buy a ticket to get into heaven. But when we support the spread of the Gospel, more and more people can hear about the Jesus, who is the ticket to heaven. So especially to all of you who are our Grace Partners, who make a monthly donation, thank you so much for your support. My wife and I actually joined you this past year, deciding to support this ministry as we got more and more connected to it. And we would be honored if you would join us in that journey. I had a chance on social media to connect with a young man from the Dominican Republic and share the gospel of Jesus with him. At the same time, a man reached out to our ministry from Pakistan, grateful that we were talking about Jesus. All these races and all these cultures, and yet we come together on the one thing that matters most, the gospel of Jesus. Uh, We would be honored by your monthly gift that helps us to take the message of Jesus and give more hope and more peace and more joy to more people. Uh, Would you consider supporting our mission to spread the gospel to all the nations?
1: The preceding program was sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace.